Welcome in to Tailgate. Austin Gale here, the host of Tailgate with Mike Renner here in Cincinnati doing our AFC and NFC East division previews. Going to look at the fatal flaw, pick some win totals for both those divisions. Also, college football is back, and it was freaking phenomenal. Big 10 takeaways from week one in college football. Let's get it. Buddy, college football is back. Yesterday was one of the best Saturdays I think I've ever had. Just being able to just completely absorb college football all day, knowing that you know, the fans of stance, every single stadium was absolutely rocking. I was, uh, it was a good time. I had a, a good time. That's why I want to kick this thing. You were on your deathbed, though. I thought I was on my deathbed. <laughs> I, I, so I, I'm sick, but I don't feel, I don't feel terrible. I just know I'm sick, so I was able to rally okay. a little bit. Gotcha. Just able to rally a little bit, but we're 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 bouncing back here on. The podcast here. We're also recording this before the Florida State game. So yeah, we were recording this before like. Notre Dame, Florida State. So no takeaways from that game. But we do have takeaways from the other games. Going to do 10 takeaways from Cal's football week one. Mostly looking at Saturday, but there were some takeaways from previous games as well. I mean, mm -hmm. we didn't talk about Icky and Kwanu for NC State just completely bullying the team. They, mm -hmm. I don't even remember who and they went puking. against. Who was it? Oh, uh, uh, Fuck, who did they play? But then puking also was the better part of that. Oh, yeah, he did field. puke in that game as well. But, dude, that had, like, multiple pancakes, was cleaning people out of bounds. Iki Kwanu, right back where he left off, which was awesome. But you go ahead and kick us off with your number one takeaway from Saturday. Georgia's defense is for real, for real. Literally won the game themselves. You know, scored more points on their own than Clemson did in that game. That was... I was saying it before, I'm like, man, you just look it up and down this roster, whether it's Adam Anderson coming up with the big sack, whether it's N'Kobe Dean, having uh, the linebacker having multiple sacks, their secondary didn't give up a lot of space. And the, I think the bigger even takeaway in that one is Clemson might be in trouble with that offensive line. 100%. Like that offensive line is not like, yes, they're overmatched in Georgia. Georgia, one of the best defense lines in the country. In my opinion, that was a match of the two best defensive lines in the country in that game. But you're going to have to like that that line's going to be a problem no matter who they're trying to block up it seems like I do think that George's defensive line is a good test and I think they would that not only could they not pass block they couldn't run block you know Clemson was refusing to run the football even against two high looks like they had six in the box and it was like absolutely not we have to throw we have to throw and DJ Wangalele against those boxes could not get any time he, he was even you know they were also blanketing them in coverage I think Clemson's receiving core outside of Justin Ross you know really wasn't all that impressive. Like, I, I think that was another big struggle for them, too. Number 10, yeah, though, I, I Ingata. Saw, I saw a nice tweet, a tweet I like from uh, Eric Crocker saying, DJ's just throwing the ball, hoping his receivers end up getting there at the time. Because they just, like, they weren't. They yeah. weren't getting open. And he was just having to throw it, praying that they would eventually separate. I, I, I want to rescind what I said. Not just, I thought Justin Ross was heavily targeted. But Joseph Nagata was probably the most impressive receiver for Clemson. Even he wasn't creating all that much separation as much as he was just catching through contact and being sure-handed as that big sure-handed receivers that he was. And I think this Clemson team took a step back in a lot of areas. Quarterback, obviously, they lost some receivers in Amari Rodgers and Cornell Powell. And yes, they aren't NFL names, but those are legit. They were legit good college football receivers. Now they're going to struggle, man. I, I do think this is going to be a bit of a struggle for Clemson. Mm -hmm. uh, the offensive line is not good. The receiving core takes a step back. And he, as good as DJ Wangalele is, He's not Trevor Lawrence. I mean, it's going to take some time for him to hit the ground running, whereas Georgia's defense is what the doctor prescribed in terms of 
as good as they were. Jordan Davis, a monster. I love how they're using N'Kobe Dean. Linebacker was rushing the passer on 10-plus snaps yesterday, had four total pressures, and was relentless. Explosive. They have so much on that Georgia defense. I know in the beginning we were talking about you know, dark horse candidates to win the national championship. And a lot of people have been saying George in the office. And I've been, I don't know. I don't know how much I believe in JT Daniels. Th- this defense might be enough, you know, because you look at, you know, there were some up and down play from CJ Stroud, obviously some up and down play from DJ Wangalele. The only two teams I feel all that confident coming out of, um, you know, Saturday's games are Georgia and Alabama, both being absolute juggernauts. Yeah. I was talking to, was I talking to yesterday? I was, I said, just, can we just give we just like let Alabama have the national championship now they're like can play their own thing and then we just like everyone else fights it out for a second and we actually like get invested in that because I think everyone knows at this point after seeing what Alabama did that they didn't go anywhere lost eight top 40 picks they didn't go anywhere they're still Alabama some people were saying that you know Alabama was 19 point favorites against Miami in that game and still went in and blew them out like it was not even close yeah I had the commentator saying man Diaz most of all, wanted to show that they belonged on that football field. And that wasn't even achieved, let alone covering the spread, obviously, let alone winning that football Trash game. described it as Christmas come early with the 19 and a half points that he was betting Miami there. And no way. Uh, St. Nick took a wrong turn. Apparently. Dude, took a shit. Is what he, did. he took a <laughs> shit on that bet, whatever it was. Number two, uh, actually, I'll do a takeaway of mine. Jaquan Brisker, safety of Penn State, monster. Yeah. That game, and everyone's going to look at the pick, and that pick was sweet. He was just sitting there, robbery season, um, with that uh, that pick in the red zone to win that football game. But man, watch his run defense. Watch how this guy is deployed in the box at what six foot two ten. He is relentless. I think he did have a missed tackle in that game, one or two, which I know we talk a lot about Brisker's tackling, mm-hmm. but still, that energy, that effort that he plays with, along with actually having the tools to be a presence in the run game against Wisconsin. You know, obviously known for its you know offensive line and run blocking was impressive. I think Brisker is going to be that you know guy I'm watching every single week. He is going to be that player that is so fun to watch. I know I hate to say it, but so fun to watch every single week because of how relentless and how he plays the game and how he's deployed. I mean, he had a fantastic pass breakup playing off coverage in the slot on a deep out, and then like a few plays later is playing you know six you know six uh, six feet away from the line of scrimmage and just hitting people in the backfield. So I'm, I'm I'm impressed with his versatility and how well he played in that game. Yeah, I mean that guy might even end up at linebacker with how good he is on the line of scrimmage in the NFL. Uh, my next takeaway: quarterback class. We still don't fucking know. We still don't know. I, I mean, I thought Carson Strong looked all right. I think the most impressive one of any guy who we said was kind of a top prospect was Malik Willis because I think the things we said need to change with him. And now, obviously, he's going up against Campbell, our Camels, our Camels. RIP. Put him in the dirt. But the things we had needed to change in terms of mechanics, I thought we saw a much more improved passer in that regard. Now, again, it's against Campbell. Any quarterback, like pretty much any of the top guys, Sam Howell would have gone out and lit up Campbell. But uh, for a guy that is as talented as he is physically, which the most physically talented quarterback in this draft class, to then get the technical aspects up to snuff and up to where the other guys are at in this class that he's the one who rose up boards. Whereas Howell was in quicksand all night, Friday night. I mean, Spencer you know what Rattler's he looks like first I- throw, like it was Spencer Rattler's the exact same guy. They came in saying he was going to be, you know, more in command of the offense. And it's like still the same guy who's just like, Oh, I can hit that throw. I can hit any throw out there. And it's just trying way too much for turnover where he plays in that game. I want to talk more about the quarterback performances, Sam Howell. You saw a lot of the same tendencies, and I know people made this comparison probably too much, but Baker Mayfield, when he's handling pressure, yeah. you know, you're reacting early, bailing out of some clean pockets. And I, I had this take. I was going to tweet it, but I feel like I can't word it correctly. S- you know, CJ Stroud and Bryce Young 
have to be embarrassingly bad for them not to be playoff competitive. Yeah. Sam Howell has to be a fucking superhero. I mean, Stroud was... I know. Stroud wasn't good, but he has bad. to be worse. And he, and like, he goes for, what, 400 <laughs> yards still? Yeah. Like, Bryce Young, the two... two uh, Bryce Young, the new quarterback there at Alabama, and then you obviously have C.J. Stroud, the new quarterback at Ohio State. They have to be embarrassingly bad for those teams to fail. Yeah. Sam Howell has to literally be Superman. Your offensive line has not significantly improved. He lost his mm-hmm. two best receivers and his two best running backs. This team is going to struggle to support Sam Howell, and that's a very good Virginia Tech defense. Jermaine Waller looked really good in that game, had that insane pick against Sam Howell, struggled under pressure, took a lot of sacks. Um I also thought Bo Nix didn't play all that well. I know the, the box score looks good, but still inaccurate, uncatchable throw. No, not uncatchable, but catchable, inaccurate throws here and there. Ball placement still wasn't all that impressive. Most player impressive not, player in that game. What twenty twenty two? You're not ready to hop on with Jordan Palmer? Say he's the number one pick? No, I see. I, I went back. I not wanted ready. to like him. I wanted to see improvement, but you still see like ball placement stuff where you're like, okay, that was completed, but you'd like it in a different spot. Um, and they also go. It, it was the still Akron better search. than completely missing guys altogether who are open. No, which 100%. Was way last. I guess you got to get got to so get to that point. Levels, yeah, yeah, yeah levels. Um, they were going against the Akron Zips. Mm. I think it's gonna DJ Wungalele is gonna have to really find some. You know, those receivers have to improve. That offensive line has to improve. Um, Carson Strong did look really good though, and he continues to. They were down fourteen in that game. Mm. Comes back and he has some impressive, impressive arm talent, dude. He can put it wherever the fuck he wants. Yeah. Him and Romeo Dubs are going to be legit dudes there for Nevada. Uh, my next takeaway off the quarterbacks, and it was in that Auburn game. Tank Bigsby is a dude. He mm. is going. He's that fake ID segment. He's going to be a guy as we enter the 2023 NFL draft. A lot of people are going to be coveting. Is one of the top running backs in the class. My biggest takeaway was, and he broke tackles. He was fast. You know, he trucked dudes. The decisiveness. He hits the hole like a bat out of hell. And it's the right one every single time. And that makes it so much more difficult to slow him down when he's just making chunk yardage plays. Let alone when he hits the home run like he did early in that game. He is a different breed of back. And I watched a lot of talented backs this weekend. Mm -hmm. B. John Robinson, um, Charbonnet for UCLA, a lot of other guys that are playing well. Tank Bigsby, in my opinion, was the best of them all. Yeah, there's a case to be made that the three best running backs in college football are all true sophomores right now. The nature of the position. Bigsby, B. John Robinson, Deuce Vaughn, uh, B. John for Texas, Deuce Vaughn for Kansas State. Those could easily be, those could be the top three backs in the country Um, with, you know, Muhammad Ibrahim tearing his Achilles after his super, superhuman performance on Thursday night, sadly. What about uh, Clemson? I want to go back to that game. They were playing that true freshman running back receiver, Jordan Shipley. Did that guy belong on that football field? He did not look like the requisite size to be playing against Georgia. He, he was tough, but, like, man, that was uh, – he was a walk-on, I think, or something. I don't know what – I don't I know if that was a charity drive. It was insane that he was uh, he was in there. He's a all like an all-star – I was kidding about charity drive, but he's an all-star high school player. But he looked uh, – he definitely didn't look like Georgia's dudes, I'll say yeah, that. Georgia was on a different level. Your, your next takeaway. My next takeaway was – Prayers up for Todd McShay. Yeah. But, uh, what was going on with he didn't look good with slurring his words again like he did last year, and we never found out what happened with him last year. So I really hope, I mean, brethren yeah. in the draft space, hope he's doing all right because that was, I mean, that just that was sad to see. We were around like three times being like, what is something going on there? And then I don't know if he was off the broadcast or whatnot, but didn't see him after that. Yeah, absolutely sad to see for Tom McShay, a guy who's a friend of the podcast. He's been on this show and like there's now been multiple times where he's been on the broadcast. Like, God damn, what's going on? Yeah. I, I hope uh hope everything's all right. Definitely I think prayers up for Tom McShay is the best the best takeaway you can have from that. Um back to football. My next takeaway, Nick Benito 
against UCLA, or not UCLA, Tulane, getting the colors mixed up. Um, he was working this inside move against Tulane left tackle 79 like it was his fucking job, and he had no answer. The guy had no answer, and there was a handful of times where he would then try the edge and try and speed up the field, and he got that too. He looking slim, though. How how much weight does Benito guy? He's looking 235. Listed, listed 240, so we'll see. 235, 240. He's looking pretty slim. Um, I think that was an impressive play. And I also threw, because I was watching a handful of edge players, uh, Carl Loftus for Purdue. He was reckless, relentless, high effort, lunch pail, everything that Purdue describes. I still would like to see him string together more consistent early wins in the down. You know, I don't, I think you see a lot of hand fighting, hand fighting. He gets there, mm -hmm. but I do think he has the energy and the, the physical ability to get there. I think some refinement and some polish for Karloftis turns him into what, maybe what Aiden Hutchinson can look like. Yeah. I, I do think that he's going to be getting the high motor label. I think that's a fair. Uh, he is a high motor guy, though. Yeah, but I don't. I, it's not all that he is, but he is a high motor type. Whereas mm -hmm. Aiden Hudson, another player we watched, was going against a, a future insurance salesman at right tackle. They destroyed number sixty for Western Michigan. Took the strip sack. Earned a high grade from PFF. But my God, the level of competition was not there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my next takeaway is Alabama. The you talent this, top yeah. to bottom. Evan Neal looked like just throwing. Like looked like a different level of competition basically evan neal was playing on he looked like an nfl player dropped on a college football field and guys just didn't have an answer um basically every level of that defense still still got it they still got it they are they are the number one team in the country and offensively you know i had Russell looked solid i didn't think he was exceptional but like solid enough yeah i mean as good as you need to be to win with that yeah. fucking team and this is the worst receiving core they've had probably three, four, five years, and it's still mm -hmm. top three, top five in college football, John Mechie, and then the transfer, Jameson Williams from Ohio State. Mm -hmm. Like, those two guys fly. still have speed yeah. for days. Like, again, and that doesn't even include Slate Bolden, the other guys that they have. Like, Alabama continues to reload literally at every position. And we've talked a lot about the transfer portal. I was thinking about this, how that can benefit, you know, teams that are not juggernauts in their respective conferences. Mm -hmm. Oh, you can go pick up some guys, and they don't have to wait a year of penalty. Alabama picking up a former four-star for Ohio State at receiver is fucked up. Like they should not be allowed. <laughs> they should not be allowed to do that. That's well, just... and they just take Toote. To to oh God, I'm just butchering Toote. Toe Toe. Yeah, yeah. The linebacker from Tennessee. They just take Tennessee's best linebacker. It's like if you started for your other school and were like one of your best players, you shouldn't be able to just transfer. You know, like that. That to me. I mean, obviously, I don't actually care, but like that's just like it's too much. I mean, it, it, it continues. And I've had this take a lot, but it continues to show that the college football, how it's currently positioned is not rigged, but it's positioned to make the rich richer. Like you, it is very yeah. difficult to be very good and then suck mm -hmm. because of how easy it is, how much the, the edge you get as a recruiter and the edge you get in the transfer portal, being a juggernaut football team like Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, Georgia, et cetera. Yeah. So they, the rich get richer with that, those transfers. James Williams looked like a monster with a ton of speed. Which makes it incredible to me that Florida State fell off as hard as they did. Because they should have been, I mean, you think about early in the college football playoffs, they were there the first two years. Or no, they won the championship before it started, and then they went to the very first one with Jameis. Like, they should have been the team in the ACC that was there the next six, seven years, not Clemson. Should have yeah. been Florida State. For them to fall off and not be that team was malpractice, honestly. Uh, that's a fair point. Uh, next takeaway, some Kentucky football talk on the, on the tailgate podcast today. Will Levis and Wondell Robinson both looked really good. Yeah. I know they weren't playing uh, all that great of competition, but I was impressed with just how comfortable 
Kentucky overall, you know, a team you rarely see do this, and Will Levis mm-hmm. specifically, throwing down the football field. Like, they were pushing it down the football field. Yes, guys were running wide open, but it's still kind of a sight for sore eyes having a downfield passer have success in a Kentucky uniform, and Will Levis did that. And Wando Robinson, jitterbug, speed, not like the biggest frame to target, but man, did he get wide the fuck open. This safety took the worst angle I've ever seen on that post-touchdown. I mean, I do think he is... He's going to be a difference maker for Kentucky, and so will Will Levis. I don't necessarily think they're going to be competing for the SEC crown, but I think it'll be some good football in Kentucky well, this year. they have a very good offensive line, too. Mm-hmm. So, Darian Canardo's out there blowing kids. Yeah, they could have, they could very well, obviously not compete with Alabama, but they could very well compete in the SEC to be one of the top teams. All right, my last takeaway, Iki Iquanu had one of my favorite blocks of the weekend where he literally is running with a guy and then he just decides I'm done like running with you and then throws him. You tweeted it out. He's just like, yeah, I'm done. And just throws the guy completely out of the turf. And then he pukes later in the game and tweets out that he should have, he shouldn't have drank that much Pedialyte, which I can relate to because one time I went to an orange theory class. It wasn't just class. It was called the dry try where it was like this competition mm. and I wake up really early. I was like really excited about it. I've been prepping for a while. I'm like, okay, I'm going to drink a full Pedialyte, you know, really get hydrated, you know, make sure that's not an issue. And if you drink a full Pedialyte and try to work out, it sits in your stomach like a fucking rock. I don't know what's in there. It's like, really? a, like a little thicker than water. And I puked so hard at this workout. I, my stomach was like a brick. It felt like I didn't even finish. I just felt like such a dingus for uh, prepping like that. So easy on the Pedialyte, Icky, and you'll be good. Man. He was pretty awesome. He had a handful of really nasty pancake blocks. He's just a mean player. I think he is. A, he's a great player too. Tally, Talia Tungavailoa, the Maryland quarterback, is my last takeaway. He looked fucking good. They were running some QB power with him too. Like they'd like to run the football with him. He's got a pretty deep ball. I thought he. I think he had some more zip. He had more zip than I thought he was going to have. Yeah. Going back and watching his tape, I think he's uh, at Maryland. I think a name to know. I think he's going to. Well, they got be, their receiver Dante Demis, who, Trevor. Or new hire here, mm-hmm. Trevor Sikama. Talk me out of putting the top hundred. Who do you talk me to? Put talk, talk me into putting Kyron Williams. Notre Dame guy. So I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'll put Kyron Williams in there. But Dante Demis would have been right outside the top hundred had we gone deeper. He is a talented six foot three, two hundred seventeen pounder who's probably going to run like the four fours. He's a big dude. Oh wow. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, Talia put in a good game for Maryland as well and ended up winning that football game. Talia Tungavailoa looking good. Going to be another player. Like I think for my takeaways, big thing I was seeing trying to do is like, who am I going to be watching every single week? Mm-hmm. I think Brisker, Bixby, Wandale, Levis, Badino, Tungavailoa, those those guys, some pretty talented players. All right. Before we get to the AFC East and NFC East division preview is going to have to tell you this. The NFL is back and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sportsbook betting partner of the NFL, is giving all new players a can't-miss offer for week one. Bet just $1 on any NFL game during the first week of the season and receive $200 in free bets instantly, no matter what. Take advantage of this limited-time offer now. You heard right. DraftKings is giving all new players $200 in free bets instantly when you place when you place a bet of $1 or more on any week one game. Head to DraftKings Sportsbook app, na- Sportsbook app now to check out all the great promotions and daily odds boosts. Plus, you can make every game a big game with same-game parlays. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code PFF to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any week one game. That's promo code PFF to get your free $200 in free bets instantly for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook, official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 years or older, New Jersey, Indiana, Pennsylvania only. New customers only restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. On to the NFL. College football, as fun as it is, got to get to the big leagues here. AFC East, starting with the Buffalo Bills. These are our division previews. You're going to highlight the fatal flaw 
for mm. all of these teams. Buffalo Bills, PFF power ranking, the third best team in the NFL. According to PFF, our projected wins for the 2021 NFL season at 10.9. DraftKings has the over-under at 11. Playoffs, their odds are 78%, according to PFF's model, fourth best in the NFL. Fatal flaw for the Buffalo Bills is the same fatal flaw we saw last year because they didn't address it. They don't have an answer for Tyreek Hill. They do not have. They're going to be sending Teron Johnson out and Tyreek Hill. You're going to get the same result as you did last year. They went in through the offseason – and now it's still, in my opinion, like you have good defense. I'm not, I'm not bashing their strategy. You may not even play the Chiefs in the playoffs, but the number two cornerback spot there, we've been saying it for a few years now, is still kind of a liability. And I know Sean McDermott's one of the best defensive minds in the NFL. He's one of my favorite coaches. I do love the way they scheme both their offense and their defense there in Buffalo. Like this is a very, very good team. But if you're telling me Buffalo Bills going up against Kansas City Chiefs. Who am I picking? I just, it, it is the Chiefs and it's the Chiefs by like seven plus because I just, I, I don't think right now that defense is built to stop what the Chiefs throw at you. That is, I, I will say this, I'll argue the positive spin of that. Yeah. That is a great, that is a great fatal flaw to have when it's just kind <laughs> no, of one player and, you know, like, yeah. Because I think some people would argue that Josh Allen and the level of regression you'll see between what was an MVP caliber campaign last year and what he was his first two seasons would be what Buffalo's fatal flaws. Cause there are a lot of reasons to think Josh Allen won't be as good or better than he was last year. Last year could be one of the best seasons we see in his career because of how well he played and considering the first two years of his NFL career, not being up to par. So are I'm not you as in- worried about that. I'm no? not as worried about okay. that. I, what I saw from Josh Allen, I believe I'm a believer. And I think with the talent they have there at wide receiver, I'm even more of a believer. Like Stefan Diggs is a top five wide receiver in the NFL, top five separator, hands down. They 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 have the talent there offensively. They got they got the Steve Palazzolo crept back toward average enough along the offensive line to where this is a straight up rank average offensive line in the NFL. Yeah, there's no shame in that. You can play have an elite offense with an average offensive line, and that's what they're going to do. I think the Buffalo Bills too, and, and I've argued this multiple times, are a more complete team objectively, in my opinion, in the Kansas City Chiefs. I think they're the second most complete team in the AFC behind the Cleveland Browns. That's how good I think they are across the board. And I think they have a lot of depth defensively, specifically on the, along the defensive line. We like A.J. Epinesa, the former Iowa edge, as a breakout candidate. Um, I, I think this is going to be a very, very good football team. And I agree. I, I do think I'd be not stunned. I would be surprised if Josh Allen turned in as good or better grade this year than last year because it's just gonna be difficult to do like he was otherworldly last year and now but i don't i i do agree in that he's not going to return back to his first and second year form yeah miami dolphins what's crazy about the miami dolphins gonna get the picks oh the the picks i I, i'm the worst person in the world and i'm just gonna punch that card in now projected at pff 10.9 over under at DraftKings is 11 (sighs) this one's tough because this is a division that's crept every boat has started to float higher outside of the bills. You know, the bills off season, they kind of had to pay the piper this year for all the bills. They've had to pay from the past. Like they have been on free agent spending sprees. This team was built one of the few through free agency. And now you got to pay Josh Allen. So kind of their off season plan. I mean, first and second round pick, you look at it, they attack high paid, highly paid position edge rusher. They, Mm -hmm. they, they, because you're not going to be able to throw out, 16 million in free agency for a Carl Lawson. It, once, once you know Mario Ass and Jerry Hughes finally start to go downhill, like they're mm-hmm. going to need cheap talent somewhere in that roster because of how many free agents they've had. So I, I worry that everyone else has kind of crept 
up towards them in that division, and then it'll be more difficult and you'll go downhill a little bit. But they're still, in my opinion, easily the class of that division. So 11 is very fair. If I had to bet, I'll side with the under. I'd side with the under, not because I don't think the Buffalo Bills are a fantastic football team, but because this division, like you said, is so good. The boats are higher. You don't get two layups against the Jets. Exactly. And you don't even... Miami and New England are going to be yeah. competing this year. They're yeah. going to be competing. They're not obviously not the favorites to win the division for a reason, but man, both those teams are good. In fact, both those teams are tied for 14th in PFF's power ranking. They're both projected at 7.8 wins with win totals at 9.5. So we'll go to mm-hmm. the Miami Dolphins first. As I said, tied for 14th according to PFF's model. Projected wins at PFF 7.8. Their total at 9.5. Their playoff odds at 32%, tied for 22nd in the NFL. The fatal flaw for the Miami Dolphins is... The fatal flaw for the Miami Dolphins, and we all know who it is. It's their left tackle slash the offensive line. Austin Jackson came back and has looked worse than he did as a rookie this year in the preseason. God damn it. That's that's the risk you run by ignoring offensive line for three years in the draft and then saying, oh, shit, what do we do? Well, why? Whoops. Let's, let's fix it right now. But through the draft, not through free agency, which... I would argue that that position is the one you you go through free agency mm-hmm. because through the draft you can bottom out so easily and that's what it looks like they might be doing at a couple positions along that offensive line especially left tackle which is the one now it's not the blind side because two is lefty but it's still a very valuable position to not be good at so i'm i am very worried about that offensive line defense is great i think two is going to have a much better second year too but I'm not sure it's going to matter if he's going to be under pressure all the time. Yeah, I think some people would argue that Tua Tungamailoa is the fatal flaw. They didn't like what they saw from him last year, but it's going to be improved. I, I would I would place a lot of money on Tua Tungamailoa being a better player than he was last year. He's looked better in the preseason. A lot of people yeah. talk about his health at 100%. Tungamailoa is not going to be the issue. The issue is going to be this offensive line. This offensive line is starting a lot of young players, and not just that. Throw that a lot of young players that also haven't played well. Like Austin Jackson has not played well. Other players have all graded under 70.0 as rookies. Like this is not an offensive line that's like budding stars by any mean either. They're, Tristan Worse ain't walking through that door. Yeah. So it, there's some concern there, not just with the youth, but also the level of play along the offensive line. Defensively, I love what they have on defense. Brian Flores is fantastic. They're secondary with Xavier Howard, Byron Jones, Noah Benogany is very, very talented. The floor of that defense is very high. As I said, you know, a handful of times on this podcast, they're a couple wins away from going to the playoffs last year. You know, they're a late season collapse away from going to the playoffs last year, and they were swapping quarterbacks every single week. They're going to have a 17 game starter if healthy in Tua Tungabailoa, and that defense is going to be as good, if not better, this upcoming season. It'll be the offensive line against some of the juggernauts in the AFC, potentially in the postseason, that ultimately keep them going, uh, to going, you know, all the way. Mm-hmm. So, over under nine and a half wins. We haven't projected seven, seven point eight. I think I got to see side with the under there too. Sadly, I, I just I don't think that with that offensive line, I just don't think see them being consistent on the offside of the ball. Now they have great weapons, and I, I really, it's like if you just had if you had any left tackle there that was competent at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we didn't even talk about the weapons. I'd say the over, but it's just like Tua with his injury history, and if he's going to be under a ton of pressure, it's just going to. It's going to risk stunting his growth, to be honest. The yeah, the weapons in Miami, I mean, they're going to have to get the ball out quick. You know, Jalen Waddell, Will Fuller, Mike Asicki, they have a lot of talented, talented receivers. But man, can you get them yeah. open deep and can you have enough time in the pocket to hit them deep? I like the under as well because I like the over for this next team. 
The New England Patriots tied for 14th, like with the Miami Dolphins and PFS power rankings, also projected mm-hmm. at 7.8 wins, and also with a 9.5 win total from DraftKings, 33% playoff odds tied for 20th. I like the over for the Patriots. They're the most improved team of any team this offseason. I've said that multiple times. They've added a lot in free agency, and they paid for it. And they added a lot in the draft. And Mac Jones is going to be a massive upgrade over what they had last year. Like, they look the part to be very, very much improved from last year. And they still won a lot of football games last year. So I do think the New England Patriots, this is a bounce-back year for them so much that they win 10-plus games. I agree. I, I have to agree. And I'm going to be sound like Duke Manyweather and Brandon Thorne here. But that off because they're offensive line. Like, this offensive There's line no wrong, is... nothing so, wrong sound like Duke Manyweather and Brandon Thorne. We're talking like, offensive line play. But it's because of the offensive line and because they're kind of zigging while the rest of the league is going to zag. Like they are, yeah, we say spreading the ball out, passing the football. That's how you win in the NFL. The passing game far away is a successive running game. But I do think also just being different in the NFL also wins. Like being a unique schematically, being unique in terms of the talent that you're bringing to the table, that is something that's going to be tough to match up with. Over eliteness? Eh, Not over eliteness. You always want eliteness. (laughs) But uniqueness matters. And when you're throwing out 12 personnel and can – get four yards a pop every single time behind, you know, Shaq Mason and Trent Brown on the right side, probably the best run blocking right side of the offensive line in NFL. Even the left side's talented too. And the left side's very good too. Isaiah Wayne, Wayne, Michael Wayne. Wayne. Like this is a very good offensive line. I I almost am sad that they don't have on Wayne at right guard and flip Shaq Mason. So we can't get, you know, over 700 pounds coming at you. Hot. On that right side on a double team. Imagine trying to hold up. You know what should have been our 280 pound three technique getting (laughs) deuce blocked. You know what should have been our fun to read segment? What? I don't know. Is it too late to add? Did you see the Florida freshman who's like, who came to school at over 500 pounds or something? Oh, oh, and it just enrolled? Yeah, he just enrolled and he was playing yesterday. Is that, how was that fun to read though? The commentator was like talking, it was insane about how he showed up and then he's like all the way now down to like 480 or 460 or something. And the dude was built like a mountain. It was fun to experience. It, yeah. it, it, was, it was, that was more of a fun to watch. It was sure. fun to watch for sure. But anyway, sorry to the go fun back to read was Indiana's Jersey spelled wrong. Oh, was that was guy. good. Yeah. Yeah. Indiana or whatever yeah. the hell, uh, last few comments on the Patriots before we jump in and, and make our predictions here, even though I think it sounds like we're both leaning over mm-hmm. nine and a half wins that offensive line is top three unit in the NFL. Yeah. I also find it funny that Bill Belichick slash Josh McDaniels is trolling and that they ran the lowest percentage of 12 personnel of any team in the preseason, 5.6%. It's like, oh, they're going to run you know, Aaron Hernandez, uh, mm-hmm. Rob Gronkowski in their prime. They're going to run so much 12. We didn't run any. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, well, you're, you're definitely going to put Hunter Henry and Jonathan yeah. Smith on the field at the same time. That's going to be a different offense. And Mac Jones at the helm, I feel really confident in 10-plus 10, 10 wins. And I also think the defense will be improved, even if it's just Dante Hightower coming back. That's massive to what they do defensively. And obviously you get Calvin Noy. Matt Judon, like you have kind of the guys there now, and obviously Josh Uchi, Kyle Duggar in year two. You have the guys there now that they want to run that scheme. Any concerns with Jalen Mills starting opposite of J.C. Yeah. Jackson? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of concerns with Jalen Mills starting, but that's hopefully going to be the 2019 Pats defense for sure, but I think it's going to be better in 2020. New York Jets last year, PFF power ranking 28th ranked team in the NFL, projected at seven and a half wins, though. Like, again, 28th ranked team. Projected at seven and a half wins. Their over-under is at six, according to DraftKings. Their playoff percentage at 28%, according to PFF, the 27th best in the NFL. The fatal flaw for the New York Jets is... The fatal flaw for the New York Jets is going to be their youth in the secondary. Their cornerback group on paper. Yikes. Javelin Guidry, Bryce Hall, Brandon Eccles, Isaiah Dunn, Jason Pinnock, Michael Carter, 
stop me when you've heard of a guy who's played well in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, like, obviously all... the most impressive name there is Bryce Hall, someone we really liked out of Virginia. Javelin Gidry is a former Utah defensive back with a ton of speed. But man, there, this is all potential. This is all hope. There's not one that was drafted before the fifth round, and they're all within their first two years in the NFL. And a lot that of people... is your that is your quarterback group. It's the worst quarterback group on paper I've seen since I started here at PFF. On paper, at least. Yeah, on paper. And a lot of people will talk about how Robert Sala and that defense will protect them more than other defenses, which is true, but not enough not enough for them to be awful. Yeah. A lot of them have to be a lot better than they've been in their NFL careers. They have, they're not going to have to be better than they were in their college careers for that Jets secondary to not be just awful this year. Scheme can only go so far. We saw that with the Minnesota Vikings last year. Mm -hmm. Mike Zimmer, what do you say? I've never had, never had a bottom below average defense mm -hmm. in my whatever tenure. They had a blow average defense because they had the, some of the worst talent in the NFL. Like it, you, there's only so much you can cover that up on the defensive side of the ball. It is a horse-driven position. And, and then they the took dogs a, and way. they took a hit up front. Obviously, Carl yeah, Lawson lost no the Carl season. Lawson. Like this is going to be as it's, good as we wanted this Jets defense to be. I think I saw Ben Lindsay, an analyst here at PFF, call that mm -hmm. defensive line a top ten, top five unit. It's now not with Carl Lawson gone, and also that back end is objectively horrendous. And they're going to have to outperform a lot of expectations yeah. for that defense to be. Even close to good. You know what that makes me that that speaks volumes to Zach Wilson as this fantasy football mm -hmm. sleeper because he's going to be playing from behind all the time. They're going to give him a ton of points, and he's going to have a lot of opportunity to be throwing like yeah. 40, 50 times a game. But their projected wins at seven and a half, according to PFF, and their over one total is only at six. Do you like the over here for the Jets? I don't. I just don't. I I, I love coaching staff. I, I love Zach Wilson. I think you'll have a good year one. But even then, a good year one is still by a good year one by a rookie quarterback measure is outside the top 15 quarterbacks in the NFL nowadays. You know, like mm -hmm. it's still like 15 to 20. Herbert last year, I believe, finished. And that was like, as again, as good a season as you can hope for outside the top 12 quarterbacks grade-wise. So like that, that, that's kind of where I am with that, is that the defense just doesn't have enough dudes on the back end. And your offense, as your best case scenario, is still just an average offense with, a great quarterback, though. I'm going to take the over. Somebody as bad as that defense is, I'm going to take the over. I want a reason to watch the Jets. I want a reason to root for Zach Wilson. And six wins is low. It's low. Not a it lot of low. wins. I'm getting used to the 17-game seasons. It still doesn't feel right. I still yeah. hate it. I'm going to obviously watch every single game and not. And once they get that extra game, absolutely love it like I did the wild card mm -hmm. last year. But I hate it right now. Before we move to the NFC East, Homefield Apparel is a premium collegiate clothing brand out of Indianapolis. Incredibly comfortable, officially, li officially licensed apparel with vintage college designs. It's a new partner to Tailgate. Homefield Apparel is in the middle of Big New Saturday Season 2, where they launch a new school collection every Saturday at 12 p.m. Eastern for 16 weeks straight. They just recently released Georgia, Wisconsin, and Florida. But this Saturday, we've got the North Carolina Tar Heels. Big fan of Home Field Apparel. I love their shirts. Love their crew necks. They got some hats, man. I'd be sneaking into some hats as well. Use promo code PFF to get 15% off your first purchase at homefieldapparel.com. That is promo code PFF for 15% off. Get ready for college football tailgate season. NFC East, starting with the Dallas Cowboys. Now, how bad is the NFC East? All four teams are ranked outside the top 17 on PFF's power rankings. They are all in the bottom half of the NFL, including this first team, the Dallas Cowboys, tied for 18th, according to PFF's power rankings, projected wins at 8.4, DraftKings win total at 9, and their playoff odds at 47%, the 14th best in the NFL. Is their fatal flaw the defense, or 
Is it Dak Prescott's health? I guess you could say that about any team, but I, I do think yeah. that Dak health Prescott's is like still a, kind of a cop out. For kind a of a cop out, unless they've actually happened already. Yeah. You know, unless like you know Carl Lawson going down or if quarterback went down already. Fair but enough. I won't. I won't lean into the cop out. Then is it the defense? It's the defense. I mean, point at that defense and say one guy you know is going to be a quality star this year. Demarcus Lawrence. Then you're Michael Parsons. It's like, yeah, it's like then you're pointing at a rookie would be the next guy you point to to say this guy. I know he's going to be solid. They just have no proven commodities. Mm-hmm. And that's the scary part going into this year. It's like, yeah, uh, you know, so Diggy Z will look good for a rookie. That might not be as true when the lights are on a defense tackle. Like they, they were so they were the worst defensive tackle unit in the NFL last year. Um, all they did was, you know, add what Carlos Watkins, Brent Urban, like they, they did not add necessarily immediate fixes that again you know are going to be good and i think that's the most worrisome thing is that as much as you know keanu neal looked good in a new role and micah parsons looks awesome for a rookie in the preseason it's just the trayvon Diggs, you know you can expect some progression in year two there's still just too many unknowns for me to just really be like ah yeah this team can compete with yeah you know can go to green bay in the playoffs can go to tampa in the playoffs or vice versa and actually Stop one of those teams. I, I will argue the defense is the reason or the fatal flaw they're not going to be playoff or Super Bowl competitive. But the only reason they don't win this division, I don't care how bad their defense is, is Dak Prescott's health. Okay. And right now they're plus 150 to win the NFC East. Washington's second at plus 200. I would be betting Dallas Cowboys plus 150 to win this conference or this division. I think they are offensively the best team and they have the best quarterback by a mile, by a mile and a half. Offensively, it's not even close. It's not even close, and I and I think it's going to be not even close skills. enough to where they're going to win enough games to win this. Division. It's like top five offense. There's not a single other top twenty offense in this division. So for that, if this defense can creep towards average, if it. It, if it even if it's even if it's a top twenty defense in yeah. the NFL, top twenty, yeah, they can be playoff competitive. But I would argue, even if it's the worst defense in the NFL, I still like them to win division. <laughs> it could be the worst defense in the NFL. They'll win the division with Dak Prescott playing 17 games. Yeah, what was it? Chiefs in 2018 were ranked, what, 31st in, mm-hmm. in scoring defense? And they still almost, made, I mean, were D4 offsides away from going to the Super Bowl. So, yeah, you 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 need the elite. Like, the elite offense will carry any shit defense. And, and there are no the questions, part. in my opinion, in this offense being elite. Yeah. Zeke looks trim and better. They have this receiving core that is otherworldly. Amari Cooper also dropped some weight. Like, I'm excited for what they okay. have here. It blows my mind. Every why how are running backs every single running back, Le'Veon Bell, now Zeke. Like when you get in shape, body when you lower your body fat percentage, you are a better athlete at that position. Like you are a better running back. Mm-hmm. How are how are these running backs going around? Like that's your job to not Dude, be out. If you had that much I don't know. I'm just like if you had that much blown money, away you know that the people fire get. food you could get yeah, involved I with. I, I I understand the allure of food. Trust me. I'm a fat ass at heart. This is not I was born in it. Uh but molded by this it. is your job. How are yeah. you? It's like, oh yeah, I'm actually decided to get in shape this year. Okay. I love that. Washington football team is second. Let's but get so up. Let's Cowboys, go. I'm going over nine wins. Over nine wins? Over nine. I like over nine wins as well. They're at projected 8.4, totals at nine. I like not over nine wins. Washington football team, the 22nd ranked team. I think a lot of people would be surprised by that. So many people are in love with this defense. It's a top three unit. And, mm-hmm. I, I, and it is. And it is. Yep. We know the volatility of defense. We know that you know injuries can ruin any top flight defense and it's hard to maintain excellence on that side of the ball year over year and even if it does maintain that excellence i still have question marks for this uh, so much question marks for this offense that 22nd isn't all that surprising to me 
I, I do think that offensively, this is still an underwhelming team. Curtis Samuel has not been able to play. He's been unhealthy. Ryan Fitzpatrick is a roller coaster. He has been his entire career. You know, the projected wins, according to PFF, is 7.7. Win total at 8.5. Playoffs at 37%. Tied for 17th best in the NFL. That's their playoff odds, according to PFF. Fatal flaw for Washington. It's just magic. You're throwing out a quarterback that is outside probably the top 15 in the NFL. You know, and that's and not only that, but a inconsistent one at best. Like he he has very much a roller coaster. He's not a steady two fifty two hundred fifty yards, one touchdown a game, Alex Smith type, where if you have an elite defense, you can probably count on to continually grind out close wins. No, if it's magic, he can throw a game away for you. He can throw a game uh like that, unfortunately. So that to me is the worry is that when you are in a conference where you're going to have to go through Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, some elite quarterbacks, maybe the Dak Prescott in your own division, are you really going to go toe-to-toe with Ryan Fitzpatrick? That's that's the that's the fatal flaw, in my opinion. I, that I being even, said, I do love his defense. Eight and a half yeah. wins, I'm going over eight and a half wins. Going at, over eight and a half wins. Wow, both both those teams go over eight and a half wins. Yes. That's interesting. I, I think I'm leaning under. I think oh. a lot of this has been overhyped i think as good as this defense will be and as good mm-hmm. as ryan fitzpatrick will be to watch hashtag fun to watch i don't think they clear eight wins i think this is going to be an underwhelming season for the washington football this team. is going to be the best defensive line in the nfl this year my money this oh, is yeah 100%. this is going to be 2017 eagles 2015 broncos levels of dominance up front where it's like i don't care what you could argue 2020 steelers levels yeah where yeah where it's like i don't care who you are you don't have enough answers I don't care what offensive line you are. You don't have answers for all four of those guys. Deron Payne, Montez Sweat, Chase Chase, Young. I mean, Chase Young. Settle. Yeah. (laughs) Fucking A. He's going to, after what he did towards the end of year one, he's going to be a monster year two. New York Giants, the third ranked team here in the NFC East. But before we get to them, I want to bring up Western Southern, a proud sponsor of the Tailgate Podcast. In these uncertain times, life is full of questions. Like, when should I start thinking about life insurance? However difficult these questions may be, Western Southern can help you answer them. Backed by over 130 years of experience together, We can look ahead to leave the unknown behind. Western Southern Financial Group, life insurance, retirement, and investments. The Giants. PFF's power ranking at 26. Projected wins at 7.4. DraftKings has the total at 7. Their playoff percentage at 31%, the 24th best in the NFL. Their fatal flaw, Mike. The fatal flaw for the New York Giants, turnovers. So Daniel Jones, for his career, 22 picks. In 27 games and 29 fumbles in 27 games. That is insane. And now, yeah, obviously that includes his rookie year and he cut back on the fumbles to a degree, but still led the league last year in fumbles. Um, but it's not going to change because that offensive line is going to only exacerbate. The offensive line does not look better. They did not look that much better this preseason. That's the scary part. And they've, you could see it didn't look better. Because they're trading willy-nilly left and right trying to get anyone in the building who's halfway near competent yeah. to block up front because it was still a mess. And that's the that's the thing where it's like you, you're the defense is very good. Don't get me wrong. I love the way they've drafted in recent years on that side of the ball. But it's not as good as Washington's defense. And then offensively, you're not even close to the Cowboys. You're kind of just easily that third fiddle in this division. Uh, and less things change drastically on the offensive side of the ball. Can I say this? There are a lot of fatal flaws with the New York Giants. (laughs) I I think Daniel Jones, the turnovers is one. The offensive line is two. And this receiving core is three. Kenny Galladay battling a hamstring injury again. 
Evan Ingram also battling injury right now. Like mm-hmm. the, the, this receiving core isn't good. The receiving core isn't good. The offense line isn't good. And Daniel Jones hasn't looked good. <laughs> You're, Saquon Barkley yeah. coming back off an ACL. And they're not even 100% sure he's healthy yeah. for week one. And you still really don't have a pass rush either. Like outside of. I like their secondary. I like James Bradbury. There's a lot of reasons to be excited about the defense side of the ball. At least there's strengths on that side of the ball. But offensively, there are concerns, whether it be injury or talent, at every step of the way. Yeah. If you are betting the Giants to have a resurgent season. So I think the bigger question is, is this Daniel Jones last season in New York? Don't go there. I mean, it depends on where where they end up. I don't think it will be. Really? I don't think it will be. That's disastrous. It's only his last season in New York if it's... Dave Gettleman's last season in New York, which it would have to go south for that to be the case. Because seven wins, which they were at the projected at, that's an upgrade. You know, like that's better than what you did last year. So like if you're showing progress as a GM, I rarely do you get canned. So that's that to me is the I think they're gonna give him at least one more year after this. Brutal. Brutal see. That would be, I think, unfortunate for Giants fans, especially if they're positioned in the draft to get an upgrade at quarterback. Mm-hmm. I think they'll be one of those teams where a lot of people are talking about do they make a move? For a quarterback. All right. It, if obviously, if it goes south, but I don't think south is off their trajectory. Philadelphia Eagles, the fourth ranked. I, I wouldn't bet seven wins, though. I just, that's about where I feel them ending up, Giants. Yeah. I, I, I wish it was at seven and a half. So there wasn't that push opportunity, mm-hmm. but I do think, I do think under seven is where I'd lean as well. Okay. Philadelphia Eagles, 30th ranked team in the NFL, just ahead of Houston Texans and uh, Detroit Lions. Projected at six and a half wins. DraftKings has them at six and a half wins. Playoff potential at 20%, the 30th ranked team in the NFL. I don't like a lot of what the Eagles are bringing. I think defensively, there are a lot of concerns. There's a lot of flaws. Offensively, a lot of flaws. I think the receiving core is a lot of question marks. Even the offensive line has question marks. I mean, this team isn't good. The only reason we're not talking about them as one of the worst teams in the NFL is because the Houston Texans and Detroit Lions exist. Like if if the Detroit Lions and Houston Texans, if Houston, if Deshaun, if the Deshaun Watson allegations and the request for trade never happened, mm-hmm. they wouldn't be the worst team in the NFL. And if Detroit, I think maybe Detroit would be competing with Philly, but I still think it would be more of a conversation. And I think it should be more of a conversation. Some people aren't throwing Philly in with the Detroit Lions and Houston Texans as one of the worst teams in the NFL. But this is going to be unless Jalen Hurts takes massive strides forward. Same with this receiving core. And defensively, some names that you haven't heard of start to play well. This is going to be a bad football team. Yes. The the fatal flaw, uh, there's, again, the roster. there's a number. <laughs> but it got old. This roster got old. They went to the Super Bowl. And what impact player have they added since that? Since going to the Super Bowl. Since winning the Super Bowl. The same, guys, the same guys that got you. I mean, they obviously they trade for Darius Slay. But the same guys that got you that Super Bowl, Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox, Jason Kelsey, Lane Johnson, Brandon Brooks, same guys that are you're relying on today, and they're all in their early to mid-30s now. Like, they are not spring chickens. They're only getting worse, only getting more injury Zach Ertz. at that point in their career. Zach Ertz, yes. So that is the that, to me, is the biggest issue, is that they just have not had that influx of talent in recent years. And, and now, I like some guys coming up, Jordan Mailata. Obviously, we talked about him, Devontae Smith. There are some promising young players on this roster now, but I don't think it's enough. Like I just, I'm very six and a half. I'm very much on the under train there. I am on the under train. I've also talked about the plus fourteen hundred bet for them to have the fewest wins in the NFL. I don't hate those odds. Jalen Hurts. I don't, I don't. We didn't talk about him. You didn't bring him up in that. Where are you at with Jalen Hurts and how good he can be? I, I, not good. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not in on it. I'm just not in on it. And that's why. I, 
So Kevin Cole wrote the article here at PFF saying he was a great pick for a second rounder. And I disagreed because I think you just have to set your sights higher than what he brings to the table. He's limited from an arm talent perspective. He's always been limited from an accuracy perspective. And we saw that in year one. More turnover really plays than big-time throws. It just struggles to push the ball down the field consistently. Now, it was his rookie year, but – he was never that talented a passer, even in Alabama, Oklahoma, every stop in college. So that's the that's what you worry for. And he's not that dynamic as a runner where it's just like, oh, we can we can live with average passing. We have a few more segments to wrap up the show. Cake your pants moment, fun to mm. read, all that stuff. Fake ID, blackouts of the week. Before we do so, fantasy football draft season is upon us. It's time for you to put the PP back in PPR League with sponsors of today's show, Manscaped. The leaders in below-the-waist grooming just launched the new Performance Package 4.0. Don't neglect your balls like the Packers front office has been neglecting Aaron Rodgers. That's in this read, Mike. That's in this read. Don't neglect your balls like the Packers front office has been neglecting Aaron Rodgers. Join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get ready to, for kickoff by going to manscaped.com for 20% off free shipping, plus free shipping with code PFF. That's PFF. This will help you tame that Troy Palomalu in your pants. Mm. Inside their Performance Package 4.0, you'll find the Lawnmower 4.0, Trimmer, Weed Whacker, Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner, Performance Boxer Briefs, and a Travel Bag. Do you want me to read that again? Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner, Performance Boxer Briefs, and a Travel Bag. The Performance... Performance Package 4.0 also includes the Weed Whacker. It's like having Derrick Henry run through those nose holes, <laughs> nose and ear hairs. Get 20% off free shipping, plus free shipping with code PFF at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code PFF at manscaped.com. If your significant other is nagging you about how much time you put into your fantasy team, you might as well gift them some beautiful balls with Manscaped. That was an incredible read. Oh, yeah. I respect the Manscaped marketer who put in that many player names and team names. That was a lot of fun. Um, a lot of keywords, as you said. A lot of keywords. And I will say this. The ball deodorant, the reviver. What is the crop reviver? I need to know what the, what the, what's the end goal. for. The, are you trying to revive? What are you reviving is, is down low? Is that like if you're balding? Down low? <laughs> is that? I don't know. What, what, what else it's could it be? It's the crop reviver toner. I'm, Maybe I don't have that Maybe you stale pubes. Are, can pubes get stale, Quinn? All right, we don't have to get into this anymore. We're done. We're off the team. We're off the team. All right, fun to read. That fucking ad. That ad was fun to read, but you have another fun to read as well. Oh, this one. And now it comes from our buddy Thor. Uh, Nystrom works over at, I believe, NBC, NBC Sports Edge. Um, formerly Roto World. I, I, don't want to, I don't want to shit on Thor. I get his point here with this take, but it was a fun to read take. Mm -hmm. um, he tweeted this. Kirby Smart gets so much shit for Jake for starting Jake Fromm over Justin Fields, never heard Urban Meyer get the same for starting Justin JT Barrett and then Dwayne Haskins over Joe Burrow. Even though, you know, Dwayne Haskins completely outplayed him in the year that they both Burrow played well. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's I, like the, there's just it's such a false equivalence. Is mm -hmm. why I was th this tweet was so fun to read because he's lamenting public perception. He's like lamenting the fact that, you know, people don't shit on urban Meyer when the public perception was, he got it right at the time, you know, like it would have taken when Dwayne Haskins balled out in 2018 for Ohio state is a 15th overall pick. Joe Burrow goes to LSU. 
rank average. No one, not even on anyone's, anyone's draft radar. If the outside world can't look back and say you screwed up, how do you expect? Like, yeah. they're, they're like you can't lament then the public perception of the decision. It's like everyone who saw the immediate results of that decision would have said they made the right one. Fair. So that's why that's why Urban Meyer doesn't get shit. Fun to read. I wish someone read the commentator talking about the fucking 500 pound freshman because that watching and listening to that go look it up it's hilarious he shows up to campus 500 pounds bro at 18 that is a unit is he going for like a reality show what is i don't it? know man Biggest he's gonna loser, drop weight though and become a monster I, the only play i watched from him he was pushing some kids back i don't know all right the fun to watch this one come we have watch two. watch fun to watch watch so we're watching other people's fun to watches pat mcafee at Pat McAfee show. The Georgia punt team is fun to watch. Mm. Kamard is a stud. At least he followed it up with a, a player name and yeah, and a take. Yeah. He, the, this player is good. So I'll, mm. I, I'll let him pass. I'll let him pass. If he just said the Georgia punt team is fun to watch, I would have punted that tweet into the sun. Um, next thing here, Todd McShay, bless his heart, prayers up. Minnesota's run game is fun to watch. Old school exclamation point. Maybe that's why I wasn't feeling well. He's giving out too many fun to watches. I mean, that's just a strong take if you ask me. That's fun tough. To it's tough to see. That's hard to read. <laughs> hard to read. Uh, Kick your pants moment of the weekend. Not only was this a seed from Cade McNamara, but also Ronnie Bell, the Michigan receiver, that one-hander. If you haven't seen the one-hander, it was... It's sticky, bro. My, my brother polices one-handed catches. My brother thinks of himself as a one-handed catch connoisseur because he has like 10 and a half inch hands. We're the same size. He's six foot tall, but he has an inch larger hands than I have. Wow. So he like used to be able to catch Explains one why hand. He's married. <laughs> one. Yeah, he got me there. I've I've heard it all. Trust me. Um, but he so he used to be able to like catch easily one handed, and he's like it doesn't count as a one hander unless it literally hits your hand and it that's doesn't it. move. No, and I agree it. with that. If I, you your have to spot on secure it, if it's a bobble, he doesn't want anything to do with it. That's oh. not a one handed grab. That's something else altogether. He said it's only a one hander if it hits your hand and that's caught. Mm -hmm. And Ronnie Bell. You rare the rarely seen outstretched palm up mm -hmm. one hander that it's stuck in that palm like that because and he was falling to the ground and like holding and it was just not moving yeah. it was stuck in his hand yep. I need to know what how big his hand hands size. are yeah but have your brother reach out and compare <laughs> um, no but I agree with your brother one hundred percent we haven't had this yeah. conversation on the pod but one handed catches. You can't you can't like haul it in. You know, like if you yeah. haul it in and it like bobbles down your forearm and you snag, it's like okay, it's impressive, but you're a piece of shit. Yeah. You know, it has to stick in that thing. I don't have a lot of one-handed catches on tape. These aren't ten and a half, but we're 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 doing what we can here. Fake ID segment. We mentioned both these backs a ton, but the fake ID is we'd let these people in the bar even though they're not draft eligible. Bijan Robinson for Texas and Tank Bigsby for Auburn, the two backs there, both those guys. Holy shit, man. Man. I don't even know what that accent <laughs> Dude, was. He just, he just went. <laughs> Holy shit, man. He just went Jamaican on it. They us. were unreal. I, I, Bichon was getting worked in the receiver role and like actually toasting kids. The slant route he ran was one of the most impressive slant routes I've seen from running What the running fuck back. is going on? That guy's un unreal. Yeah. Those man. two. Those two, man. <laughs> they, they are they're the two best running backs in the country for my money. And they are a class above what we're about to see in the 2022 class. Yeah. I mean, I love Brees Hall. I think he's going to be a solid NFL running back, but that is a, that is a late second, early third type of guy. These guys are Bijan tank. Now we're not drafting in the first round, but NFL teams very well are likely to draft those guys in the first round. Especially with names like that. Bijan Robinson and tank. Bixby. I know it's like the perfect storm of name scouting 
talent, receiving ability. I will be I watching. Draft, I might draft him in the first round. That's how that's how interested <laughs> I'm getting. I will be watching Tank Bigsby every week because he is incredible. He is. I did not buy. I mean, I watched some of him at Auburn, you know, the previous year, but I do. I did not realize he was this rare. Uh, Tyler B. Oh, oh, sorry. Last segment of the segment of the day. Blackout of the week. That performance you just wish you drank too much and forgot. Not yesterday we didn't we didn't drink too much yesterday you didn't nope. drink too much yesterday which you love to see but tyler beach wisconsin left tackle is yours and i wanted and you added also sam howell north carolina yeah sam howell was an honorable mention blackout mm-hmm. that was a little friday night session that you'd like to forget yeah that obviously was came in to blacksburg you, you once enter sandman hit the he had no chance yeah, no chance. That, that we're gonna go to Virginia Tech. Around. Virginia Tech's on our list. We are going to Virginia. Oh my Tech. gosh, it's gonna be unreal. And when Andrew Sandman hits, I might black out. But <laughs> that was uh, he had no chance in that one. Tyler Beach though against Penn State, the left tackle. So he played right tackle last year. Flips to left tackle, which again, never do that to guys. But he looked like he had no clue what he was doing. It was one of the worst I've never seen. Okay, that's a lie. I have seen off tackles like literally lose games for teams before. But Tyler Beach, he gave Graham Mertz no chance. That was the last two drives. He, every single play he lost. Every single play. It was disastrous to watch. Five quarterback hits. Seven more BDs, which are blocks, which basically losses that don't result in the pressure because he was on the blind side, left side. The quarterback didn't see it, but he was just, the ball had to come out in two and a half seconds or else he was, the guy he was blocking was in the quarterback's lap. It was, it was a 0.0 pass blocking rate on the day. Damn, any 0.0s, you want to throw those out the fucking window. Black of the week for a day. This, this Wisconsin offense line is probably the worst I've seen in a minute. There oh, Wisconsin. no. Sadly. Very sad. Usually their calling card, which you just hate to see. College football is back. That was a fantastic episode of the Tailgate Podcast. Until next time, make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Also follow PFF underscore Tailgate on Twitter. You shoot us a DM for our mailbag and our trivia for the week on Thursdays. That would be fantastic. Until next time, Austin Gale, Mike Reiner, producer Max Chadwick, producer David Sofaro, producer Mike Quinn, Tailgate Podcast. (laughs) 